Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Highlander, one of the biggest cult classics of the 80s. It stars Christopher Lambert, Roxanne Hart, Clancy Brown and Sean Connery. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, Highlander. Um, I think I've always known this better for the TV series it had in the 90s than yeah, the I think movies. Yeah, that movie came out. Yeah, so this film came out in 86. The TV yep. series came out in 92. That was Adrian Paul as Duncan McLeod. Yeah. Cousin of Connor McLeod. Yeah. I mean, the the concept, it for me, okay, I love Highlander. My household growing up, Highlander was on a lot. The TV series, the spin-off, Highlander, The Raven, the movies, the one where we got Connor and Duncan in the same film, Highlander Endgame. But the whole setup for Highlander, famously, there can be only one. Yeah. Unless it's a franchise. Yeah. Because yeah. they can't be only one. Because in theory, I guess the idea would have been a one and done film and Connor McLeod becomes the one. And the one, yeah. the the prize that they're all chasing, essentially is to grow old, to age, like to actually yeah. live a fulfilled life and then I guess, die of old age. But you can't do that unless there's another immortal. There's lots of heads being chopped off. I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but that's essentially, that's Highlander. But yeah, I mean, there was the cartoon with Connor McLeod, Ramirez was in that. I mean, he's an interesting character, the casting of Sean Connery. I mean, there's a lot to unpack with Highlander. Yeah. you, have you got the actual synopsis for the film there to catch up whoever's listening? I oh come on, everybody knows Highlander, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> Scottish swordsman Connor McLeod, born in fifteen eighteen, is an immortal. He must fight the remaining opponent immortals in the present time to win the fabled prize against the evil Kurgan. Yeah, um, which. It's a fairly simplification. I think this is why I like the series. Um, I didn't see the Highlander films until I'd already seen a few episodes of the TV show. And I think Highlander 3 was just about to come out from my own memory. Um, Because I think it was during that, during the sword fighting sequences, Christopher Lambert actually lost, one of his fingers got cut off and had to be reattached. Oh well, uh, in an onset accident. Um, so it was the '90s when I actually got around to watching the Highlander films. Uh, but it's been a long time going back to see this, and yeah, yeah. Uh, as we've already discussed, it is a lot of story to fit into what it looks like, and I assume, like you did, this was supposed to be one and done because he achieves his goal at the end. Well, I think, yeah, but when when I first discovered Highlander, they'd, they'd made the films, the TV series, 
was already out. So I always knew it as like an ongoing thing. But if you just mm. watch this film, it does play like essentially a one and done. You know, I misspoke earlier. The animated series, it's Quentin McLeod. Yeah. They're not both Connor. So I just yeah. wanted to just correct my myself there. But um, I mean, the Highlander enjoyed little success on its initial theatrical release, grossing over 12 million worldwide against a production budget of 19 million and received mixed reviews. Nevertheless, it became a cult film and inspired several film sequels and TV spin-offs. It is also known for songs recorded by the rock band Queen with Princes of the Universe, also used for the title sequence in the TV series. The tagline, There Can Be Only One, has carried on into pop culture. I mean, that is such a famous line from, from this film. I mean, looking at the director, we've got Russell Mulcahy. He directed music videos in the 80s, worked in TV since the early 90s, and directed films Razorback in 84, Highland in 86, and then he didn't direct again until 2007, Resident Evil Extinction. So yeah. this is definitely the biggest film from his resume, but just hearing that he directed music videos in the 80s, I get it. Yeah. You see that in this film. And and it works yeah. for this film. It's very, it's very stylized. I mean, mentioned before, cutting off heads. It's more than that. There's there's electricity. There's like it's like lightning. Like there's you know there's yeah, there's, like the there's quickening. smoke and yeah, there's <laughs> oh there's all of that. You know, before we wrap up, I want to touch on Highlander Two, which is insane. <laughs> but we'll yeah. we'll save that until later because it. I mean, you've got this film, and you're right. It is a lot to pack in two hours, but that's the film, and yeah. then the sequel happens. Anyway, we'll we'll save we'll save that for for later on. Let's talk Christopher Lambert, Connor McLeod, a 16th century immortal born in Glenfinnan, Scotland, near the shores of Loch Shiel. There we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, played by uh, a US-born, uh, Swedish-raised, <laughs> French film starring actor. Oh, I, I can't even, I don't even know what you said. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked that up because I've always wondered, I'm like, well, is he Canadian? Is he French Canadian? Is he French? What's going on? So I looked it up for getting prepped for this. I'm like, you know what? I can understand why they cast him for this, for the reason they make a, a, a remark early in the movie when he's being interrogated by police. Where's an accident from you? And he's like, I've lived all over. And Christopher Lambert really did <laughs> yes. live all over. But yeah, yeah. what I know a lot of people for in my entire life have always struggled with is like, wait, he's called Highlander. His name's Connor McLeod. Why hasn't he got a Scottish accent? The Scottish guy in this movie is playing an Egyptian through way of Spain. Like, <laughs> oh, God. what is happening? I can't even, and he's I using can't. a Japanese sword. Like, which... <laughs> All of it's like, wait, huh? Wait, can't wait. So, but it just, huh? <laughs> it, it makes it, it interesting. It in makes universe. it interesting. It, it in does. universe, it works. And that's uh, not the thing. It's, it's like Highland. Is that the thing? Is that the prize? No. 
That's the name of the movie. Nobody calls him Highlander. He's from the Highlands of Scotland. He's a McLeod. Yeah. The clue's in the name. But, yeah, I mean, Christopher yeah. Lambert had barely barely learned to speak English when he took this role. The only other English-speaking movie he had been in at that point was Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes in 84, in which he only spoke a few words. So essentially what was happening, he was being, they were feeding him lines and he was repeating them. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just, it adds to it. There's so much mystery to this character. I mean, we get him in Scotland. We get all those flashbacks, but we also get him under the alias Russell Nash, the Scottish Highlander that is working as a, antique dealer in new york in 85 but you're right though with the actor the character the concept it it does fit it really does but i mean sean connery as ramirez and as you've said an egyptian immortal he later lives for a time in japan and then spain so that's it so that's the sword it's the the attire all of it i mean it's yeah it's his experience that he tells Connor, uh, let your wife Heather go. Uh, Heather played by Beatty Edney, but when he's still in Scotland back in the fifth, the 16th century, he's living with this woman and Ramirez is teaching him because he's real, realized there's another immortal because they can kind of sense each they other. They can sense it, yeah. And so he goes to teach him. He's like, you need to get competent. Otherwise, you're easy prey for the Kurgan, Clancy Brown. Um, and he's already the strongest of us. And that evil prick, if he gets, if he wins the prize, this that is not good for anyone. Um, so I need you to get good. So when it comes down to the gathering, which is when there's only a few left and they're all compelled to go to the same place, um, the strong, oh, the strongest of us are left to help take down the Kurgan. Why they didn't all band together, the last group, uh, right, and take just, on the Kurgan? Yeah. You can't that, apply, you ignore that because it's supposed to be one movie. Don't try and apply logic to yeah. Highlander. It just doesn't work. It falls apart very quickly. Yeah, um, but and that's why, and and. Because he's had three wives. His last wife was a Japanese woman whose father was the sword maker who made him this folded sword centuries before the technique had been learned, had like discovered, which is like the plot point for Brenda Wyatt in the Monday. He's like, you've got a sword that's way too old to have the technology it is. I just want to see this sword. All it all works in the only thing that doesn't work for me, ironically. The only uh, thing, what is it? <laughs> uh, Kurgan, his sword comes in multiple pieces, including the blade comes in two pieces. Yeah, the second he hit that against someone else's blade, that tip would fly off, and he, he, he you're working with a shorter sword. Silly, you ignore it, you ignore it because it's. <laughs> It, yeah. it kind of breaks your brain if you think about it too much. But yeah, it's silly because uh, a blade is from tip to where your hand is, the tank, the pommel, uh, all of it's one piece because 
otherwise it would always break at the connection it's a structural integrity thing uh but, yeah, but, but everything else you can go with but when it comes to completely realistic structural integrity you've got to draw the line you know i think you may have you mentioned this already but just with going back to christopher lambert in the third movie Highlander three the sorcerer it was revealed that Connor had lived in France in the late 1700s. So it's almost like they weren't confident enough that they put people's minds at rest with that first movie. But in the third film, they added, from Nazis. they added another element. If they had just said that was in Paris, solved. Yeah, but they didn't. So they added it in, <laughs> in, in the third movie. I mean, to his credit, in preparation for this film, uh, Lambert trained extensively with swordmaster and British Olympic fencer Bob Anderson. So he's putting he's putting in the work. So he's doing that. He's putting all that work in. This is what Connor is doing, right? And I recently reviewed uh, Sean Connery film on the podcast League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I think that is his last live action performance. I think after that. He voiced a character in a, an animated kids movie, but that was his last one. Um, anyway, so talked about Connery recently on the podcast, but for this, all of his scenes had to be filmed in a week. That's all they had him for. Well, due I imagine to, he was the most expensive cast member. Well, it was due to his schedule. I mean, I guess, yeah, he would have been a lot more expensive than the other actors, but it was his schedule. He... He had a bet with the director that they would not finish in seven days. The director won the bet. Connery earned one million for his week's work. So there you go. Not too bad. I thought this was interesting. The opening voiceover by Sean Connery has an echo effect. Do you know why? Because it was filmed in like a, a car or something. I mean, the thing is, right, I would have thought dramatic effect. That's why yeah. they've done it. You're closer than, than I would have been. Because it was recorded in the bathroom of his Spanish villa, where he had been working with a voice coach in order, get this, to perfect his Spanish accent that he used in the movie. Perfect? I mean, he sounds like Sean Connery. Yeah. I mean, I like yeah. Sean Connery. I really do. But whether he's, he's James Bond, like, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, what He's character. always got his act. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, so he, he was working with uh, with a voice coach. Yeah. The voiceover was played for the producers over the phone, as you would, <laughs> and they yeah. approved of it because they could not discern the quality of the recording that way. It was too late. Yeah. We've done it. He's not doing it again. So it does have an echo effect, but again, I just talk. I just took it as being dramatic. Yeah, if I didn't, if you didn't tell me about them only having him for a week, I would have also thought that was a choice by the uh, by the people working on the film because it works for set up the kind of mystical, fantastical elements that echo effect. I yeah, um, and also. Part of their budget, like a sizable part of the budget, one million goes to Sean Connery. Yeah, surely you lose another million to Queen, right? <laughs> oh, I, but the thing is, so like Queen were doing 
so what does it do? Princes of the universe. So originally, that's what they were going to do, but they clearly that they watched and liked the film. I mean, Brian May was inspired to write Who Wants to Live Forever after watching the love scenes between Connor and his wife, Heather, and the song ultimately accompanied the film. So it's what yeah. they were going to do to begin with, and then they're giving the film more. So they clearly yeah. liked it. The lines, it's a kind of magic. They later turn into a song. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, I mean, I do think of Queen when I think of Highlander, but I guess, you know, Prince of the Universe the opening title sequence of the TV show as well. I mean, the original score for this film was composed by Michael Kamen, who we talked about recently on the podcast when reviewing Last Action Hero. Yeah, and, you know, this, even recently, he did Band of Brothers TV series. That's right. He did the main, I think think it was the main title he did. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, but, I mean... You know, Iron Giant, uh, working with on the X Men film with uh, the uh, the Patrick Stewart, the first one. Like, uh, I think someone else did the main theme, uh, but he did the rest of the movie. Like, I mean, that's this is someone who's oh X Men, yeah. Oh, he did the whole score. That was all him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. The re like that score was used throughout all of the Fox X Men movies. Yeah, those riffs were were used. I mean, John Ottman did X Men Two, and then I think somebody else did X Men Three. But yeah, you're right. Though. What came and did? Op- yeah, the that yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, that's it. That's the signature X Men theme. I mean, even I mean, you know, the mutants are coming into the MCU. And I don't want to spoil it in case people have not seen it, but they use that musical cue. That's Cayman. Yeah. They're still yeah. using it in the modern MCU. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was just showing it, like, the caliber of people they'll get in for this. Um, you know, they spent the money uh, where they felt it needed to go. And Clancy Brown. Oh, let's talk. Clancy Brown, you know, for the longest time for me, he was Lex Luthor, Superman, the animated series. And then yeah. years later, I'd been watching Highlander. I didn't realize. Yeah. And maybe to some, voice... he's more known for Highlander than his voice work on Superman, the animated series. That was Not my first go to. But, but yes, I mean, he he's great and he's a real bastard. Like, he's a he proper is. chewing up the scenery bad guy. And he's so yeah. good at it. Yeah, he is because he can't die. He's in that car with Brenda screaming, driving, aiming at other cars that are all just crashing behind him, and he's all like, "Oh!" Because he doesn't have any fear of death. Of course, he doesn't. He can't die. Like, yeah, he plays. Uh, well, yeah, he, he plays his so, type of role so well. Like, not too long ago, I rewatched Pet Cemetery too. Yeah, and it's great in that where his character becomes undead. And he does it so well. Like he plays those darker characters so well. It's that voice, that chewing on gravel voice he's got. It's got so much weight to it, which is why he's played such a good Lex Luthor. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when he really puts some like menace on it, it just and they have an in universe reason for that as well. His throat gets cut 
by that's Ramirez. Right. That's yeah. why he's got a scar on his neck. That's like, it. And, yeah. Oh, it's so good. But do you, do you, I don't get that. You, you know, you were talking about his sword, right? So we all know he's the Kurgan. Right? He's yeah. from he's the last of the Kurgan tribe. Yeah. So modern day is 1985 in this film. He travels yeah. to New York under the name Victor Kruger. Why? Yeah. Why is he needed an alias? I mean, I don't... Well, maybe that is his name, but we wouldn't know because it was old school Russian. Oh, like, but everyone refers maybe. to him. It, it sounds Honor like... is the Highlander. He's the yeah. Kurgan. Other ones we meet, we don't know where they. Oh, that okay. Oh, that that makes sense. It, but it almost there'd it, only there'd only be one from each area. You wouldn't expect yeah, there to be right. two Highlander yeah. immortals because and as we've discussed, well, there is though because really there's, reiterate <laughs> there's more than one Highlander. This is called cousin Duncan. That immortals are not called Highlanders. He's an immortal from the Highland regions, which makes him a Highlander. It is confusing that's where he's from. They're all just known as immortals. That's it. Yeah, That's... they're that. It's like um, it's like when you watch Doctor Who. He's the Doctor. He yeah. isn't Doctor Who. <laughs> like, but I guess, yeah. but if somebody didn't watch Doctor Who, they may think the character is named Doctor Who. They may yeah. think the character is named Highlander. Like Batman. Where's Batman? Where's Highlander? No, it's not that. So, okay. So that that okay. I just I interpreted it as. Like him showing up, like he's he's got an alias, he's got glasses and a fake mustache, like just disguising himself. It's like, why be so elaborate? Like you're just out for the kill. But okay, you've yeah. you've made a bit more uh, sense. I guess at some point though, he had to immigrate to the US. He needed a name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, because, uh, I mean, I'll they do have it. that whole storyline of Brenda figuring out that Connor is not Nash. He's someone else because he's been clearly handing his name down from like generation yeah. to generation to himself because <laughs> his handwriting all matches. Uh, but yeah, uh, the design of the Kurgan, uh, 80s Very. veteran punk wear. Uh, and then he does that thing with his head because he's been like recognizing his face on newspapers all he does is a horrible job shaving his head <laughs> and then puts safety pins through the scar on his neck yeah. i mean it only accentuates it it doesn't hide it it's a cool visual though like you've it got is. the voice the stapled neck the hair or the yeah there's it's like and he's and he's a piece i swear it isn't cut and just left that piece on the side of his head his yeah. hair i swear he cut it off and then like he's like oh wait no i need a disguise and like taped it back onto his head. <laughs> that's how it is. That has, that's okay. how it looks. Definitely <laughs> a choice. Who knows? Uh, um, and he's like, he's a thoroughly unlikable person. Yeah. Like, oh, there's, yeah, there's nothing redeemable. You know, back in the 80s, bad guys could be bad guys. It's not like today. Like he's just a bad guy. He didn't need dimensions. Like, no, 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 I'm bad. And I want the prize because I'm the strongest. And I, I want to have, they don't know what the prize is. That's something else we should point out. They know that the last one gets the prize, yeah. but they have no way of knowing what it is. They have a feeling it's some sort of massive influence. Uh, uh, they have a monologue at the end of him explaining what it yeah. is, yeah. like a connection of knowing what people think. 
have, and that may have uh, have you seen Highlander to the Quickening? Yeah, is that the one that starts off with the it's kind of sci-fi and he's old, and then a guy turns up and when he does the quickening against that guy, he gets back young. Yes. And then the first thing he does is have sex with the woman who saw it all. <laughs> okay. Well, let's <laughs> let's talk let, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the sequels now, right? Because I'm not sure if you'd seen it or not. In yeah. like this is now right. It, Highlander 2, The Quickening, which was released in 1991 is now considered or has been considered for a long time as non-canon. It is a non-canon sequel. So if you look at Highlander as a franchise, it goes Highlander, Highlander 3, which came... And Highlander 3 came out, I believe. So that would have been 93. The show started in 92, so maybe the second season of the TV series. Mm -hmm. So they, they removed Highlander 2, The Quickening, from canon. It takes place 39 years after the first movie. Connor McLeod, Ramirez, and the Immortals are revealed to be aliens from a planet called Zeist, and that McLeod and Ramirez were both banished from Zeist to Earth for leading a rebellion against the planet's cruel ruler, General Katana. McLeod being an alien from outer space was disregarded in the third movie. What the hell? Yeah, what? Just, How can yeah. you go from this first movie, which pretty much plays as a one and done, and then years later, so 91, by the way, they were aliens all along. They had their minds wiped. You're like, what is this? So then the third movie, yeah. which came out during the TV like, show, never happened. Conjures. Uh, Ramirez back for a limited time before he gets killed, saving him again. And you know, like Highlander to the Quickening, it's the only sequel Connery has ever done. I mean, of course you've got the Bond films, so take them out of it. But if you look at sequels to films that he'd done, like Highlander Two is the only sequel that he'd ever done, and it ended and up being disregarded it non-canon. <laughs> but honestly, I. I can see why. Aliens. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then, yeah, then everything else that came afterwards just completely disregarded that. And I'm I'm so glad. It's, it's better that they're just immortals and they're just trying to get this prize. And as you say, they don't quite know what that prize is. But to go from this film to an alien reveal, I mean, who saw that coming? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, given the time, I'm sure there was a little bit of like a 80s... Uh... Uh, yeah, maybe you know, <laughs> caffeine pick me ups uh, that yeah. went into the writing room. <laughs> because, uh, white snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how, how do we explain? How do we explain that they're uh, they're immortal? They're immortal. No, 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 no. That doesn't make sense. Aliens. We'll make them aliens. Like that's very much a product <laughs> of the time. Yeah. Oh, anyway, you know the line "There can be only one" is mentioned four times throughout the whole movie. Yeah. The first two times by the Kurgan in Scotland after to hurt Connor McLeod in the battle between McLeod and the Fraser clans and later during their failed duel in New York City. The third by Ramirez when he is addressing Connor about the Kurgan origins and the fourth by McLeod after defeating the Kurgan in the gathering. 
Yeah. I like it. It's great. There can be only one. I mean, it really is part of pop culture. It is. Uh, did Deadpool utter that line? It feels like, or did my brain just go, it's something he should have said. I don't know. That sounds, that sounds a bit familiar now you mentioned it. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen it in pop culture recently where someone uttered it right before cutting off someone's head. Like, but yeah, uh, yeah, I've always known it. Yeah, no, that sounds. Because I grew up with. Yeah, yeah, I've always known it because I've grown up with these movies and the TV series. Um, The whole universe's like story, whether it was the animated series or the TV series, it's actually really well fleshed out. Yeah, the fact that there are immortals, that they know there has to be one, they're all aware. A lot of them have met multiple times even befriended each other um before the point where they uh have to duel and take each other during the gathering the quick the quickening and you know whoever went takes his opponent's head takes his power like it all flashes out really well it does and and you can follow it you can absolutely follow it and then how the two happens and the aliens can know what are you doing like you've you ruined it like you you had the thing and again like this movie it could play as a beginning middle and an end like you have a complete highlander experience but um yeah yeah i've not seen highlander 2 in such a long time i'll it's not streaming anywhere either it's not even available on itunes i might have to track it down somehow the opening credits with red text on a black background were only intended to be temporary placeholding credits, but the producers liked the look of them so much that they were kept for the final cut. And that just, that's Highlander to me. I mean, I've always watched it and liked it, but just hearing about Connery voiceover in his Spanish villa bathroom, placeholder, yeah, no, let's just do that. It just it feels like an indie film. Like, it, it, do you know what I mean? It feels raw. It's it really not does. overly polished. And it just it adds to the quality and especially the grittiness when you're in present day 1985. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, there is a cheapness that adds to the whole thing. Because um, as I said, they've clearly spent the money where they could, which doesn't leave. I mean, you have to be super efficient when you're working on such a tight budget. Star Trek is what it is, thanks to budget constraints. Uh, and, you know, the the efficiency of the storytelling in this is much the same. But, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I mentioned a little bit about the sword play earlier and the training that uh, Lambert put in. But if we're looking at the, uh, the special effects side, because think about it, like, when... I mean, these are swords, but whenever the swords strike, often you'll see sparks, there's flashes of light. And I was like, oh, how how did they achieve that back in 19... What was it? What did we say this film was? It set in 85, and it came out in 86. So I'm like, right, So it's probably during 85 they're filming it. Uh, I would suspect the same way they did it in Pirates of the Caribbean, where they actually had a battery hooked up to the top of the sword. So when they <laughs> okay. struck, they sparked. Yep. Well, okay. The sword sparking while clashing was accomplished by attaching a wire. 
to each sword that led down the arms of the actors to a car battery. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think perhaps the Caribbean, maybe that was a, a bit more safer. I don't know. One yeah. was connected to the positive terminal and the other to the negative terminal. So when the swords touched, there was an arc. And that's what and that's what you're seeing. I mean, it looks dangerous, and I guess it was. It was yeah. dangerous. You do see uh, the actors like squinting a lot because they're aware it's going to spark. It can't yeah, not. Well, it's, We're throwing it's, metal at metal. Yeah, Do not touch these things. It's hard not to react to that. In the yeah. scenes following Connor taking the Kurgan's head, the director had originally envisioned an animated dragon with the Kurgan skull battle helmet emerging from the Kurgan's decapitated body and challenging Connor again. Only after Connor had defeated this ghost dragon... Would he have received the final quickening and subsequent prize? The idea was eventually cut due to budget restraints. I'm yeah, glad they couldn't so. afford that because yeah. that doesn't sound good. I like no. this film for what it is. See, it's like even hearing what they would have done if they could have afforded it with this first film to then the leap be aliens, maybe it's not as far-fetched. Yeah. Yeah. Although the director didn't come back, I'm pretty sure, for that yeah. sequel. Yeah, it's an odd one. Uh, I mean, that's the film. It's an odd film, isn't it? But on that, if you're going to rate Highlander out of five. Um, I have to give it a three. Uh, it does suffer from that low budget it clearly had. Um, and the, the technology of the time. The budget constraints worked in its favor. I don't think that dragon would have worked, but there is some strangeness going on with that final quickening, like uh, the the rotoscoping, which is like kind of actually drawing onto the uh, doing multiple exposures and drawing directly onto the film itself is how they get like those spirit looks. It's not what they did with Star Wars for laser effects and things. Um, that was there's like a cartoony like spookiness to that um but i could clearly see the wire behind christopher lambert that had picked him up and at one point there's clearly a paper mache head of his <laughs> oh, right. i missed that i yeah i don't know how i picked it up but it was very yeah. obvious to me i'm like paper mache head uh like were they <laughs> expecting to like explode his head like because the power just was too much and then it didn't look so good but they didn't take that one piece of the frame out um either but yeah it's the story works well um it's uh it's acted well the music's really great um and clancy brown's genius and so is all the stuff with uh sean connery but the fact that you know hearing it wasn't christopher lambert's like he wasn't that caught up in english that makes sense given some of his delivery and some other bits and pieces it just ends up dragging the whole product down it wasn't until Highlander three, like the TV series, where I feel like they actually like uh, paid off on its premise. How about yourself? I'm purely going to lean into nostalgia here. I love Highlander as a franchise, and I do really enjoy this film. And again, I like to watch it as a one and done. It's been so long since I've seen those sequels, so I will seek them out and watch them again for the first time in years. But this film, I just Again, just that the idea of like 
you get the whole story. You can just watch this film and have it be your only harder experience. And it's gritty, it's raw, it's very dated, but it, it just it works so well. I'm going to come in at a four out of five for this one. It's a little bit higher than you, but I just I love Highlander. I mean, there's rumors that we're going to get Henry Cavill in a reboot of the franchise, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean, he's had plenty of sword training on the Witcher TV yeah. series, so we'll just have to wait and see, but there we go. Well, that's it for our episode all about Highlander. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.